Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the cases of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. On this week's Current Affairs, we have two completely wild cases that share a unique similarity. Andy, we've got double doppelgangers and attempts to steal identities. Yep, here we go with numero uno. In August of last year, a 23-year-old German-Iraqi woman named Sharaban K. told her family that she would be home later that evening. She was headed to a forest in Ingolstadt, a city in Upper Bavaria in Germany. She was planning to meet up for a discussion with her ex-husband. When she never returned, her family obviously got nervous. Her parents drove to the area where she said she would be meeting her ex and were horrified to find their daughter's car abandoned in the area. Worse yet, in the back seat was the brutalized corpse of their daughter. She had been stabbed more than 50 times, rendering her nearly unrecognizable. Oh, this is a nightmare. Nightmare. A few months later, the true story of what happened seemed like something out of a murder movie. A spokesperson for the local police force told the Bild newspaper in Germany, We don't get a case like this every day, especially not with such a spectacular twist. On the day we found the body, there was absolutely nothing to suggest that would develop like this. So, what's the twist, Jesse? Is it a doppelganger? (laughs) I mean, according to your lead, we would assume so. (laughs) So, we've got these grieving parents who have driven to Ingolstadt looking for their daughter, hoping for the best and finding the worst, in the form of her broken body in the backseat of her abandoned car. And yet, when the police took the body for an autopsy, it wasn't Sharaban Instead, it was an Algerian woman who lived in a town called Eppingen, about 100 miles west. The woman, Khadija O, bore a shocking resemblance to Sharaban K. Enough even to make Sharaban's parents believe it was their daughter who had been murdered. This is insane. And that may have been exactly the point. Investigators now believe that the entire affair was an elaborate plot from Sharaban to stage her own death in order to get away with a so far unrevealed dispute with her family. Well, that is some serious family beef. Serious. After the police realized it wasn't Sharaban's body and they had identified the victim as Khadija O, they dug into the social internet to find out what could have happened. In the weeks leading up to the murder, Sharaban had apparently created a number of different Instagram accounts and had used them to scour the app and then reach out to the other woman who looked like her. One to respond was Khadija O, an Algerian-born beauty blogger. Oh, poor Khadija. I know. Sharaban and Khadija sent messages back and forth about beauty and makeup until at some point Sharaban suggested that they meet up in Ingolstadt, about 100 miles from where Khadija lived. Sharaban said that she had a cosmetics kit that she wanted to give the blogger. From there, Sharaban enacted her vicious plot with the help of her boyfriend, Shakir K. Now, it's not clear here whether Khadija came to meet them or whether Sharaban and Shakir drove to pick her up in Eppingen, but the outcome would be the same. When they met up, they drove her to the location in the forest and brutally stabbed her more than 50 times. They made sure to stab not just kill, but to obscure her looks enough so that the family would think that the victim in the car was Sharaban herself. This was so vicious and so out of cruel and unnecessary. Yes. There has to be more to this story about what's going on with this family because this is just a bizarre plot and reaction. 
Sharaban had made sure to let her parents know exactly where she was supposed to meet up with her ex, on the assumption that they would come make the gruesome discovery when she never returned home. After piecing things together, Sharaban and Shakir were detained by the police and have now been charged with murder. They're both facing life sentences, and so far, it's not clear if they've submitted pleas. So this is obviously a pretty sickening case, and the fact that someone would be so selfish that they'd purposefully hunt for a perfect stranger to execute them in cold blood just to advance in their own schemes is, well, shocking, to say the least. I would say so, especially given that it sounds like Khadijah was just looking to enhance her career, maybe get ahead. Make a friend in the industry. Yeah. So, Jesse, somehow, though, this isn't the only doppelganger case that we have to cover this week, is it? It isn't. We started looking into these cases, everyone, and we could not believe that we found two doppelganger cases that are in the news right now. And this one blew my mind. I am really excited to tell you all about it, Andy. In 2016 in Brooklyn, Russian-born Victoria Nasarova met Ukrainian immigrant Olga Zvik. The women met at a salon where Olga worked as an eyelash stylist, and Victoria became her friend. Of course, both being so far away from home and coming from a similar cultural background, Victoria struck up a friendship that went beyond simply their business relationship. Olga didn't have any family in the U.S., and she was just really excited to meet somebody who shared some of her culture and general area, and the two even looked alike. Yeah, okay. In the summer of 2016, Olga was thrilled to tell Victoria, or Vika, as she often called her, that she was soon getting her employment authorization card to work in the United States in an ongoing way. It was then, it would seem, that whatever warm feelings Victoria might have had towards Olga were quickly replaced by cold, callous calculation. In August, Olga received a call where Victoria said that she was having an eyelash emergency and needed to stop by to get touched up. Victoria also told Olga that as a thank you, she really wanted to bring her some of a famous bakery's cheesecake. Victoria ate two pieces of the cheesecake and Olga had one. Within 20 minutes, she was feeling incredibly ill and she had to lie down. She started to lose consciousness. Unable to lift herself to get to the bathroom, she started to throw up just off her bed. <gasps> so initially, Victoria appeared to be taking care of her friend, but of course, it was all a front. Yeah, eyelash emergency turned cheesecake poisoning? Yeah, this cheesecake was not one that you would get at the factory. <laughs> this one was filled with the tranquilizer phenazepam. And according to Olga and her attorneys, Victoria's goal was to murder Olga, stage it to look like a suicide, suicide by cheesecake, apparently, and steal her identity. What? Olga survived, however, and the trial accusing Victoria Nazarova of attempted murder began last week in New York City. In opening statements, Assistant District Attorney Konstantinos Latorgos let Victoria absolutely have it. This woman concocted a cold and calculated plan to isolate Olga Zvik to get her alone in her room to poison her, to try to kill her, and to take her identity, along with other valuables as well. It was her identity she was after. Crazy. As Olga started to throw up and drift in and out of consciousness, far from helping take care of her and clean up, Victoria went around her apartment stealing from her. 
She stole some valuable items, including a red purse, jewelry, and $4,000 in cash. But most importantly, she stole Olga's Ukrainian passport and that U.S. employment authorization card that Olga had been so excited to tell her friend Vika about. <sighs> Ruthless. This is crazy, though. It just gets more and more wild. The assistant DA said everything was done in this case very carefully and very methodically by this defendant. Not only did she poison Olga in order to impersonate her, she also staged her bedroom to make it look like a suicide. So what could the motive possibly be? Why was Victoria so desperate to steal Olga's identity? I would assume because she wants to go to the U.S. and get away from somewhere, right? Oh, absolutely. But what she was trying to get away from, Andy is more murder. What? Uh-huh. Yeah, this is only scratching the surface of the wild story of Victoria Nazarova. According to attorneys, she was desperate to never return to Russia because she was wanted there on murder charges. Classic. For that, we need to go back to 2014 and to another Russian-born woman living in Brooklyn. That woman was Nadia Ford. And Nadia had grown up in Krasnodar near the Black Sea, but had always dreamed of coming to the United States. Her mom, Ala Alexenko, had often worked four or five jobs to give her kids the best possible chance in life. Wow. Hero. Nadia first came to the United States as a student in 2007, but ended up staying after she was married and then divorced. Nadia and her mom had an everyday talking type of relationship. You know those moms and daughters who are so close. Yeah. In 2014, she started to hear about a woman named Victoria who had moved in next door and she had become surprisingly close despite their age difference and Victoria's seeming glamorousness. Her eyelashes. Those eyelashes, man, they'll get you every time. Victoria told Alla that she was planning to come to New York and offered to bring some gifts from Mother Alla to her daughter Nadia. The gifts included two mink coats and more than $6,000. After Victoria got the goods, however, she kept delaying the trip. Hmm. Hmm. This is kind of like on 90 Day Fiance, where they keep taking the money and never arranging a visit or a meetup. Yeah. They just need more money. Exactly. We know how that ends. (laughs) (laughs) I wish Victoria had gone on 90 Day Fiance, because at least there'd be a camera following her ass around. Yeah, we could keep tabs on her. Mm Mm-hmm. Nadia told CBS that her mother started to get worried that Victoria just was not going to give the money and the gifts back. But on Saturday, October 4th, Alla told Nadia that Victoria had agreed to return them. But by the next morning, October 5th, Alla was no longer picking up her phone. Nadia began to frantically call, saying that in eight years that they'd lived apart, her mom had never not picked up her phone. Nadia even called Victoria who told her that she had just visited Alla for tea and left because Alla was supposed to go on a trip with a friend. Obviously, these two told each other everything, so Nadia was not buying it. And on Monday, she accessed her mom's phone log, discovered that her last call had been on Saturday night at 11 p.m., and it was Victoria. This is exactly why you and I have our, like, find my phones on all the time for each other. Yeah, find my friend always. In a move worthy of Liam Neeson's famous Taken, Nadia dropped everything and headed straight to the airport to fly to Russia and find her mother. This is taken in reverse here. Yeah. When she got to Krasnodar, 750 miles south of Moscow, it was just three days since she had last heard from Alla. She called Victoria to meet her in front of her mom's apartment building and described giving her a bear hug, which she told CBS News was meant to convey, quote, 
I will choke you to death if you don't tell me where my mother is. So she pushed me away and she starts yelling that your mother's alive. She's alive. End quote. Victoria frantically ran up the stairs to get away from the distressed daughter, except Nadia had already called the police who were waiting for her. Allah's apartment, meanwhile, had been absolutely looted of valuables. <sighs> Nadia said that family heirlooms, expensive jewelry, and even her mother's $50,000 in life savings that she had kept in a secret hideaway were gone. The kitchen had been wiped spotlessly clean. Unfortunately for Nadia, they weren't nearly as convinced as she was that Victoria was actually the culprit. Undaunted, Nadia started a quest to find her mother. She posted flyers, drove thousands of miles searching for clues. She even pleaded with Victoria via SMS. Nadia said she texted, listen, I'll give you everything, my apartment, money, you name it. Just give me my mom back. All told, she spent six months in Russia burning through her savings. Oh, my God, this poor girl. But then, nearly all hope lost, Nadia had a thought. She wondered if maybe traffic cameras from near the apartment where they lived would reveal some information. When CBS asked her how she got access to those photographs as a private citizen, Nadia replied simply, it's Russia. You buy things. You have money. You buy things. Nadia's persistence was unbelievable. She started with the cameras near the apartment and then slowly circled farther and farther outward. 100 miles from her mother's apartment, she made a massive discovery. An image from 10 a.m. on October 5th, the day after Nadia lost contact with her mother, the speeding camera shows a car with Victoria driving and Allah in the passenger seat. Amazing. How many hours do you think she had to spend combing through all that footage? It doesn't matter when you're trying to find someone you love. Oh. Absolutely. Armed with this evidence, Nadia got back in touch with the lead detective. He told Nadia, I know, I have these pictures. <gasps> Behind the scenes, it turned out that investigators had been pushing hard on the case. I mean, they could have told, they, they could have told Nadia over here. Ah, poor oh, thing. Yeah. They had confirmed Victoria had rented the car in the pictures and brought her in for questioning and a lie detector test. While they were awaiting the results of the test, which Victoria failed spectacularly, she was allowed to leave. Knowing what was coming, Victoria raced to Moscow and the first flight out of Russia. Later, it would be revealed that Victoria had been able to escape thanks to the help of one of the officers on the case with whom she had been having an affair. What? This is insane. The next development in the case would be a devastating one. In April of 2015, the blackened remains of a human body were found in a remote place three hours' drive from Allah's apartment. And devastatingly, Nadia was able to identify her mother due to her dental records. The place the body was dumped was the town where Victoria Nasarova grew up. Interpol issued a red notice for Victoria's arrest. For Nadia, it was a time to return to the U.S. and pick up the pieces. And yet she could not move on. She started hunting on Facebook for signs of Victoria, and lo and behold, she found the woman posting photos from all of her travels. She can't even stay off social media. She had apparently flown first to Mexico and then made it to New York. Yet even after Nadia reported this to the police, they claimed they still could not find her. Enter private investigator Herman Weisberg. Weisberg spent 20 years on the NYPD, including 14 years as a detective, before launching his own agency. But remember, Nadia had completely run out of money, so how could she pay for such elite help? Pro bono? 
It turns out that Herman had once helped a wealthy woman with a problem of her own. And in thanks, the woman, who his office affectionately referred to as the mitzvah lady, kept paying him, but now to help other people's problems. Wow, that's so fucking cool. That is the sweetest silver lining of this horrible case. That is so cool. That woman is amazing. Third party pro bono, so you were correct. That's awesome. Herman said the mitzvah lady took one look at Nadia in early 2017 and knew that they had to help. And where the police and immigration authorities came up stymied by Victoria, Herman found a way to dig deeper. This is insane. That's like what he does. This is crazy. Late one night, Herman was scrolling Victoria's profile and found a selfie of her wearing mirrored Ray-Bans. Oh, my God. The photo gave him two pieces of information. One, that she has bad style. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I thought, like, mirrored Ray-Bans were all the rage now. What happened to, like, gas station style? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) To each their own, you know. (laughs) The photo gave him two pieces of information, the configuration of the dashboard thanks to the mirror, as well as some distinct stitching on the back headrest. Because he's an incredible investigator, Herman took the photo to a huge parking lot at a train station to see if he could identify the make and model Victoria seemed to be driving. After a few hours of searching every car, he found it. The Chrysler 300. Oh my God, genius. Still, as Herman even admitted, This was, at this point, still a wild goose chase. Undaunted, his next move was to examine the likes on Victoria's page. He discovered that many of them were clustered around Sheepshead Bay, a Brooklyn neighborhood with a large Russian population. He and his investigators cased out the neighborhood looking for a matching Chrysler 300. They came back with a handful of them, and when they ran the plates they found, one of them was attached to someone with a Russian-sounding name. From there, things started to fall into place. They visited the address associated with the car and saw other landscape features that matched other photos from Victoria's Facebook profile. Astoundingly, this was only about four to five blocks away from where Nadia lived. Disgusting. It was at this point that Herman Weisberg discovered that he wasn't the only person looking for Victoria. Her life in New York was just as scammy and steam-filled as hers and Russia had seemingly been. Herman described her as a walking crime wave, saying she eventually fell into the world of being an escort, a dominatrix. She would knock out with knockout drugs, roof and all, whatever she was using, and then take money, watches, jewelry, whatever she could get. So not cool. After observing her, Herman said that he thought there were dozens of victims who would not come forward because of the particulars of the crime. Quote, a lot of these victims just go away because nobody wants to go into a precinct and say, my dominatrix just stole my Rolex and $4,800 from me and I think I was drugged. Yeah. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, every single cop listening to that story and every single wife of these guys is going to say, what was that first part again? It was a dominatrix. (laughs) Man, I love this guy. One of Victoria's victims who did speak to CBS was Ruben Brockoff, who runs a dry cleaners in Queens. He met Victoria on a Russian dating site, Mambo.ru, and set up a date at Victoria's apartment where she offered to cook for him. Ruben said, the only thing I remember was that I took one bite of fish and I was out in five minutes. Ugh. He would end up being barely conscious for the next two days, Andy. Whoa. That's like a lot of roofie. 
she went overboard. As Victoria cleaned out thousands in cash and spent even more on credit cards, she eventually returned him to the dry cleaners where she cleaned out the cash register before fleeing the scene. And then the poor guy ended up in the hospital for a week. Oh my God. Yet with Herman on her tail, Victoria's reign of terror came to an end on March 20th, 2017, when he alerted the NYPD that she was in her apartment and they could pick her up. Yay, Herman. (laughs) Way to go, Herman. The sensational story made headlines around the world. Victoria was charged with 18 felonies in New York City, including notably the attempted murder of Olga Zvik. In that case, Victoria still professes her innocence. Last week, as the trial opened, her lawyer, Christopher Hoyt, said, This is not an open and shut case. We are here today because Miss Nazirova is not guilty of these charges. The trial so far has seen some dramatic moments. From CBS News, when Olga Svick was asked if the person who tried to poison her with cheesecake was in the courtroom, there was a sharp silence and a stare of suspense as the two locked eyes for what might have been the first time in years. Could you imagine? Like, yeah, that bitch over there poisoned me with cheesecake. And tried to steal my identity and make my death look like a suicide? I don't want to be in the same room as her. Well... Victoria Nasirova faces up to 25 years in prison if she's convicted. And that is not enough for also for Nadia's mother, Ala. No, not enough. I wonder, though, what they're going to do. Would, do you think they would send her back to Russia? Well, but like, do we trust them if they like already saved her once? Uh, that's true. I feel like she should serve her 25 years in our prison system and then get deported. Extradited, rather. Oh, man. Well... Poor Nadia. Wow, that was double trouble. Yeah, our hearts go out to Nadia and Olga and Ruben and all of the victims of this terrible woman. And I, I hope she gets hers. We will definitely give you guys an update what happens in the end. Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette. Signing off for Current Affairs. <laughs> 